Welcome to Witch City Witches, a podcast from Salem, Massachusetts, exploring the practice of witchcraft. We explore witchcraft through many different lenses, including personal practices, tarot, astrology, ritual, and so much more. I'm Anna. And I'm Becca. And today we're here with our friend Lauren Devora. Hello. And so uh, in our last episode, Becca and I talked about our backgrounds and sort of how we came to be witches in Salem. And so Lauren, today we wanted to talk to you about those things. Sure. I'm excited. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Welcome. Yeah. So Lauren, you only moved to Salem a couple years ago. Yeah. So where did you grow up? Uh, I am from North Carolina. I grew up in the Piedmont. And then um, I moved up to Asheville, North Carolina, which is in the Western Carolina Mountains. Um, for college and then just stayed. <laughs> I liked it a lot, so I just stayed. Nice. Um, and I was there for about seven years. And then after that, um, I had vacationed in Boston and then I had a friend move up here and started having other friends be up here and I just realized I was spending a lot of my time in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept getting like, clear intuitive hits of like I'm supposed to move here so I did I just like packed up my life and moved (laughs) yeah and that was in 2017 yeah yeah I moved Christmas Eve 2017 oh yeah exactly rolled up to my hotel (laughs) on Christmas Eve it's been almost two years to the day amazing I know yeah it's exciting yeah and so how did you discover witchcraft um uh I think it it discovered me. <laughs> um, I had always been um, extra sensitive to stuff and um, had a clear gift of speaking with those who have crossed over, but I didn't know what to do with that. And um, I was kind of, I mean, as a little kid, I was raised just like, I don't know, general Christian. And then my mom and I converted to Catholicism when I was like, eight or nine like I was really young so for the majority of my life I was Catholic and like the Catholic Church is just like ignore it don't mm, mm, mm. we don't talk about that (laughs) we were talking last time that both of us were raised Catholic right yeah so you guys know like so now there's yeah three former Catholics here there seems to be a trend yeah (laughs) you need a fourth to complete the set (laughs) um yeah it's a it's it has its good moments, but it's also very much a denial-based religion, I feel like. If there's something outside of the box, like there's a box that everybody exists in, mm-hmm. and if there's something outside that box that they can't explain, whether it's good, bad, ugly, whatever, if they can't explain it, then they go, well, then just don't pay attention to it. And the more I didn't pay attention to what I could do, the worse it got for me. Mm-hmm. And my mental health was declining very quickly. Um, and my aunt is actually a witch. She... I don't really know exactly how she would describe herself. Probably eclectic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she was kind of the black sheep of the family. And I was always like, tell me more. <laughs> like, clearly, like, glued to her a little bit of, like, tell me everything about what you do. Um, so, for me, the more I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sensitive to energy. I'm sensitive to people. I'm sensitive to spirit. What do I do with this? I'm, like, 12. And mm-hmm. I can, like hear stuff and see stuff and like it's just it's really overwhelming Mm -hmm. and I think I'd emailed her like back when email was still like oh my god I get to email people like we had (laughs) dial-up like it was uh old school but so I emailed her and was like hey what what can I do what what should I do and she kind of wrote back being like I don't know like maybe look at some books like she sent me a few like suggested reading uh tips but 
I think the biggest thing for me was um, I was about 14 and um, there was a, a entity that was attached to the church that I had been going to for a while. And, and this is still a Catholic church at this point. It was technically Episcopalian, so okay. Catholic light. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was the children's nursery manager, for lack of a better term. Um, it was such a small church that, yes, a 15-year-old could actually do that. 14, 15-year-old could do that. Um, and so I was working there every weekend, and this entity was really angry, and it was starting to affect the children. So it was affecting me. I can handle it. I'm a teenager. Like, I was a little bit older, but it's affecting, like, three- and four-year-olds. And I just was like, all right, I don't know what to do here. So I went and talked to the priest. And Bill is such a lovely man. Um, He still is, but he he reminds me a little bit of, like, a much more subdued Robin Williams. (laughs) That's what he looked like. He's a very sweet man. It's like if Robin Williams decided to become a priest, (laughs) that's kind of who he was. Um, And so I started talking to him. And he was like, well, explain to me what you do, like, what you experience. And so I did. And as I'm talking, I just see this grown man's face lose all color, like, as I'm talking. Mm -hmm. And he just, like, got paler Mm -hmm. and paler and paler and eventually just was like, I I don't have any answers for you. And I was like, cool, great. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Um, You know, it's amazing that he was able to admit that he didn't know what to do with that. I, I thought that was really big of him, actually, you know, because most yeah. priests are going to be like, say 10 Hail Marys and like, just get out of my office. <laughs> and instead he was like, I don't have answers for you. So he, I felt like this energetic, like setting me free because I had been trying to be like a good Catholic, a good Christian. And like, you know, I had crosses in every room and like all mm-hmm. of my St. Michael medallions. Like I was just trying so hard to follow this path. And it clearly was like, you're not meant for us. <laughs> you're yeah. clearly not meant for us. And I remember walking out of his office, and there was a portrait of Jesus on one side and Mary on the other. And I remember looking at the portrait of Jesus and, like, feeling this, like, we're good. It was almost like Buddy Jesus, like, finger mm-hmm. guns. Like, we're good. Go in peace. And I was like, all right, cool. And literally the next day, I went to Barnes Noble and I found... I don't even remember the name of the book, but I remember... It was, like, a purple cover. And I remember flipping through it and kind of going, oh. Oh, okay, this makes sense. Okay, cool. And, like starting to dive into it and then just head over feet and <laughs> just fell into it. Is the church basement still haunted? As far as I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you never took care of that one. Well, I tried. <laughs> the, well, that was the thing. We, like, we tried, but it's also... If nobody is there to help guide you mm-hmm. of, like, doing a traditional banishing of a spirit... Mm-hmm. It's just people with smelly sticks and, like, rattles going, get out. Like, we're just doing our best. <laughs> so, like, we tried. I had a friend who was like, I'll try and help. I'll try and do something with you. Mm-hmm. But I I didn't know what I was doing. She didn't know what she was doing. And mm-hmm. we both were just like, I don't know. We, it says to wave incense and, like, make noise. And I'm like, well, I'll fucking make noise if you want me to. Sorry, I curse. Is that going to be a problem on this you podcast? No, I'm glad that someone like, got that out of the way. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I think I may have last time. Okay. But- in case there's any young ears listening. Um, no, it's okay. Yeah, we're... <laughs> this is an 18-plus podcast. There we go. We'll swearing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, we tried. But, it, I mean, for me being like, I don't know what I'm doing. She didn't know what she was doing. Yeah, it, that spirit wouldn't go anywhere. I think he was like, what, is you, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm mad at you. Get, get away from me. Um, yeah. So yeah, cut it out. That's irritating. Yeah, yeah basically. 
Yeah, the TV shows, uh, to the contrary, you don't have to just get the book and say the words in Latin. No, there has to be, like, in, in fact, I think Latin is dangerous because you don't actually know what you're saying. It's intent. Yeah. Like, it, it's the intent behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to feel it and, and really, like, build up that energy and then be like, get out. <laughs> like, yeah. actually mean it. If you're just standing there being like, please leave, then they're going to be like, huh, you're funny. <laughs> like, they're not right. going to leave. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can irritate them until they leave. But... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I think that's kind of my origin. Um, And just ever since becoming true, like, ever since embracing my paganism, I've just, I've felt so much better. Like, spiritually, mentally, holistically. And how would you describe the path that you're on? Because, like, Anna and I are on very, like, different types of witchcraft paths. Like, title or? No, just, like... What sort of pantheon? What sort of like you know? People, oh, okay, yeah. People describe witchcraft in a lot of different ways. Right. So how, how, what does it mean to you? So for me, pagan and and being pagan and being a witch are part of the same Venn diagram, but they're mm-hmm. not interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely so. see all witches as being pagan, but not all pagans are witches. I I, I actually know oh, some Christian witches. Yeah, I do too. And you know, actually, that was going to be a question though, because my yeah. aunt is Christian, but she's a Christian witch, and mm-hmm. I and I've always sort of grappled with that because for me witchcraft is a religion and so it sort of doesn't overlap with other religions but people use the word so differently so right. well it could just be that for you it it feels like a like it you treat it as a religion where mm-hmm. i think some people don't necessarily because for me witchcraft is a tradition mm-hmm. it's something that's learned um and it's a practice being pagan is a religion um it's like the umbrella term and i use pagan as the umbrella term because a lot of people are then like well, what kind of pagan are you? Right. And for me, it's like, well, technically I follow a Celtic and pre-Celtic pantheon, but I really only have three deities that I work with. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with a lot of them, but I really only work with three. But I don't, I'm not necessarily eclectic. Like, I don't pick and choose from different <laughs> pantheons. Like, And also my deities very quickly were, like, claimed, <laughs> like, found me and were, like, and ours. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just work with the deities that, it feels like I'm supposed to be working with mm-hmm. um, and who want to work with me and I build that relationship but I guess it would be Irish, Celtic and pre-Celtic mm-hmm. um, and you have an initiatory path, right? you have training that you went through? yeah, um, but I'm not Wiccan, so I think a lot of times when people talk about initiation they think Wiccan right, well I, yeah, I mean I have an initiatory background too and I don't consider myself wicked. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was trained um, in Asheville mm-hmm. at Mother Grove Goddess Temple mm-hmm. um, and I spent time training as a priestess there. Um, but like, I... And so I guess what's the name of that tradition that you were initiated into? Um, well, because the grove itself isn't of one specific tradition, Okay. I guess you would say eclectic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what, like, I don't have a lineage like a, a Wiccan priestess would. Mm-hmm. Like, a Wiccan priestess can say, I was initiated by this person who was initiated by this person, and, like, mm-hmm. they have documentation. Mm-hmm. I don't. But I don't consider myself less than. It's just different. But I also recognize that Wiccan initiation, you know, lineage is very, very valid and very important. Um, but, I mean, I was... Uh, under the tutelage of Byron Ballard at um, Mother Grove. Mm-hmm. And the priestess is there. And I studied with Lisa. I don't actually know if she wants me to say her name on here. That's <laughs> it's okay. just Lisa yeah. W. I'll say Lisa W. Um, 
And she was my sister priestess. And so we went through training together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean. So are you technically part of a coven with these folks still or, or no, not really? No. Because coven is a, it's a group and a, and a unit that you, you know, you do all the Sabbaths together. You do circles together. And, mm-hmm. like, there's that consistency mm-hmm. there. And to be perfectly honest, I moved very quickly after finishing training. (laughs) Um, So there's, I mean, I helped hold ritual and and helped out at the temple and and did all of those things, but I moved very quickly. Excuse me. (laughs) Moved very quickly after finishing my training, so. Yeah. One of the things that we were talking about last time is that, you know, in... In Salem, so many people come to Salem because of witchcraft and mm-hmm. because we are witches and we want to be witches with other witches that it becomes a little bit difficult to find people yeah. to actually practice with because yeah. everyone is just like, well, that's not quite what I do. Right. Well, and I, I think, especially when you're in a city like Salem, mm-hmm. where everybody likes to use the term witch, mm-hmm. it can be very, very difficult to find people who... Not to say that people are inauthentic, but it, it can be difficult to find people who jive. Mm-hmm. So in Asheville, when we use the term witch, it was a very, like, almost a dangerous thing to say out loud. So if you found somebody else who was like, I'm a witch, then we could be like, woo, hey, found you. <laughs> like, yeah. It was a very easy connection to make because, mm-hmm. oh, we found somebody brave enough to say in public, I am a witch or I'm pagan. Right. Um, here... Everybody uses it. And it's like, okay, but are you a witch or are you an aesthetic witch? And that's totally fine yeah. if you're just, like, witchy aesthetic. But if you're a witch, like, I would like right. to know more about it. Like, but it's really hard to find that um, in a place where witch is plastered on literally every, Like, the cops have it on their badges, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's hard yeah. to find people who I think are, for lack of a better term, serious mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, but it's also hard everywhere. I yeah, think. and covens are not an easy thing to maintain. <laughs> no, yeah, not. and I, I was yeah I was, I was saying that one of the things that I've had trouble like you know so I've been in Massachusetts my whole life and like you know, uh, you know through my twenties and uh, most of my thirties I was in Boston mm-hmm. and uh, maintaining things in Boston was difficult simply um, not only because of the normal drama that happens but because everyone just kept graduating college and moving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, like, I moved away from my grove. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess we would call it a grove. Like, we wouldn't call it a coven. It was in, but we were open to everyone. We were just a goddess temple. Mm -hmm. Um, So we didn't, the the temple itself didn't um, hold space for male deities. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean that we were like, oh, you worship male deities? Like, you shouldn't, like, you're not allowed in. It was just, it was a goddess-oriented place. Um... And we called ourselves a grove, but, and I really like that term because it's kind of that like earthy woven together vine image. And I think coven sometimes has a little bit of like an abrasiveness to it um, that I think can be off-putting for some people. Yeah, in my background, so, you know, my background is also Dianic, so also goddess focused. And, you know, we had a grove and we had a coven. And the way that we distinguish that is that the grove was open to anyone who wanted to be a dedicant and study. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you folks use the, you know, the term yeah, yeah. dedicant, but so if you were a dedicant, you were in the grove, and so that was a much larger group, and they had people coming and going, sort of learning what it meant to be a witch and deciding if they wanted to go that path or not. Yeah. And 
uh, to be in the coven, you know, that was after initiation. And the coven to us meant that we were a group of people who had taken you know, oaths together to have a practice together within a very sort of safe container. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, one of the central elements of a coven is the idea of perfect love and perfect trust in ritual. And I think that that's absolutely necessary. And so if you have something that's open to everybody, then you really can't really have a coven because you can't have perfect love and perfect trust with people that you've just met. Right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, And so that's how we sort of distinguished, you know, grove versus coven. I do definitely feel like the the word coven does, um, it denotes something that is contained. There's a certain... um, Exclusivity. Exclusivity. Yeah. I was going to say isolation, which is the wrong term, but like, but there's there, there's like yeah, it's it's it's. We were talking before, I think, not being recorded about the the hermeticism aspects of witchcraft, and in the like the actual like you know medieval version of like hermetically, you know, like when you call things like hermetically it's sealed, sealed. Yeah. you know, it's that that like it's in a bubble. Mm-hmm. It's you know, and it's like there's things that are inside of it, and there are things that are outside of it. Yeah. yeah. But I think that to me the importance is, because we've talked a lot about already in the first episode, that idea of inclusivity versus exclusivity is that, you know, you know, to me the goal of a coven isn't to exclude people, but to create a container where it's safe and everyone trusts each other. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's where you're going to really sort of open up and bear your soul and to really be vulnerable and kind of show your shadow self to other people so that they can help you work through it. And that's not something that you can do with people that you don't absolutely trust. And so right. the goal is to, you know, find people that you can trust to bring in. It's right. not a goal of excluding other people, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. For me, I mean, where I did most of my training, it felt very, um, like, to say, oh, we're going to start a coven. Mm-hmm. It... <sighs> There was, there is that exclusivity, which is great. I mean, you're right. It, you have to be able to trust everyone who's involved. What I witnessed, and there were people who were technically a part of our grove who still wouldn't participate in ritual. They they were involved in like the council and all of that, but they were like, nope, not going to be a part of ritual, either private or public or whatever, simply because they felt very protective of their own energy and um, being solitary was mm-hmm. their path. And I really resonated with that. Like I would participate in rituals and I would hold rituals but when it came down to like the really intense stuff I was always like nope not gonna be (laughs) not gonna connect with other people to do that but what I witnessed with uh, coven and and kind of the people that wanted to start covens I felt like there was an improper balance of in of um you thought it was an ego trip Yes, there. There's a lot of ego tripping when it comes to covens, and not all there covens. Is. Not all yeah. covens, and and quite a few covens. Hashtag are, not all covens. <laughs> hashtag not all covens. <laughs> you know, there are quite a few groups and and covens and whatnot that you know whatever word they want to use that are very close. They do a lot of great work, and they feel really supported by one another. It's been. It's rarely been my case that I've interacted with people or or like just straight mm-hmm. up large covens where there isn't one person who's slowly but surely manipulating people trying to undermine everything yeah, yeah. there's there's a bit of a, a a hierarchy that i don't think should exist in covens because everybody should be equal but then again you can't have a complete well, democracy it depends. i mean because if you're working within a traditional lineage kind of like i am then there's a high priestess there's a high involved. priestess yeah. But Absolutely. even with that, it doesn't mean that the high priestess should be trying to dominate other people, you know? it's. But it's, it was my experience that I saw quite a bit of oh, that. Oh, absolutely. I'm not yeah. saying it doesn't happen, yeah. but ideally it shouldn't. Yeah, I mean... It's, ideally it shouldn't. 
for me, I admit I am not a good solitary witch. I do better in company. And I've also struggled with coven experiences. It can be tough. And I think that large covens are impossible to manage, you know, that many people. I honestly feel like a group of, you know, four, five, six is kind of the size that works for me. Um, But I've also done really well with magical partnerships, just having, you know, one person that I work with closely. Um, I've had some successful relationships like that in the past. And I really like that. And, you know, just to clarify, I don't mean a partnership that it's necessarily someone that I'm romantically involved with. It actually has not been the case, but just a person who I really resonate with sort of on a spiritual and magical level. And we celebrate and, you know, do magic together and do work, you know, magical workings together. And that's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I I do enjoy um, working with other people, although I definitely have some self-consciousness that when... Uh, my own magical practice I find it works much better if I do body movement and like weird interpretive dancing um, actually does a lot to make my spells actually work and of there course. is um, there's definitely some self-consciousness about doing that where like other people can see me doing it you should have come to the you should have come to the <laughs> retreats that I would help lead like you want to talk about like and and the the great thing is is when you're at those retreats mm-hmm. Literally everybody is there for the yeah. exact same thing. Right. So if people start stripping off their clothes and dancing erratically, yeah. nobody blinks. Like yeah. nobody even thinks one thing yeah. strange about if it. If everyone's it's... naked, it's not weird being naked. Exactly. If you're the only naked person, it's just like, what's going on? Right. On the other hand, if you're the only clothed person, then it's like, okay, it's something. Then yeah, the, the, then you're, the, the, then you're the one. Then you're the weird one out. <laughs> like, but but that when I would so I worked also with um, a woman who. Um, I think she was probably really uh, integral in me. I feel like she was the the lantern holder mm-hmm. for my path a little bit mm-hmm. because so she's Scottish. Her name's Jude, and she was running these retreats, and mm-hmm. I would I kind of became her volunteer helper because she's also like a fiber worker. So I mm-hmm. would like go with her to festivals and like help her set up her tent and help her do her thing, and she would like give me a discount on like a piece of art or whatever, and I'd be like, cool, great. And then she started doing retreats for specific goddesses Mm -hmm. but she worked mostly with Celtic and Scottish deities so Mm -hmm. she worked with like Ellen of the Ways Kaliak you know Bridget all of the class air quotes classic Mm -hmm. (laughs) classically known uh, Irish and Celtic deities or goddesses I should say Um, and we held a deer goddess retreat and there was an outdoor area and like so much ecstatic dancing Mm -hmm. so much but like when you're in that headspace, I would have, I remember seeing people like move in ways that if I wasn't in that too, I would be like, oh my God, they're having a seizure. (laughs) You get really worried for these people. But if you're in it too, if you're in that container, everything becomes normal and everything is welcome because it's expression of ecstatic joy. Right. So, so I, I think that like, you know, I do definitely work well with other people, but most of my practice has been solitary just because like you were saying, it is very difficult to find other people to work with. Mm -hmm. And the times that I have found people, like, you know, maybe a year, two at the most, like, hold something together. And then if someone doesn't physically leave, someone will kind of emotionally check out. And, like, it just kind of all kind of spins apart. Yeah. Um, and um, there are definitely some magical relationships that I have that um, I'm not sure exactly what happened. We were practicing, and then we stopped contacting each other to set things up. And maybe we're friends on Facebook now, but it's been like, you know, years since we've seen each other. And, um, you know, I don't even know if they if they still consider themselves pagan or witches because we're not in contact. So and but it wasn't like 
it was, uh, you know, it just sort of faded. And I think a lot of... Wasn't it ex- like an explosion? Yeah. Of, like something happened. It was just... Yeah. yeah. Some things have exploded. There's there's definitely been some explosions. <laughs> so I guess I have a question for you guys. Do you use the term coven and working circle interchangeably? Or do you, like, no, consider I them don't. different? I do consider them different. Okay. Because I do too, but yeah. some people use them interchangeably. And I was just curious because... Yeah, I think I think that for me, uh, you know, at least because of my, you know, my background, a coven involves, you know, specific vows and oaths to each other. Yeah, you know, you're, you're you're actively creating an energetic link. Right. And when you leave that coven, you have to break that energetic link, but you're right. you're establishing a connection and I think a working circle uh, are, you know, it's people who know each other hopefully and are comfortable with each other and willing to sort of aid their energy to each other, but you haven't sort of taken on that vow. Right. I also think a coven implies that you have similar religious beliefs. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas a working circle doesn't, it can, it doesn't, doesn't kind of do need to be. Because right. I think that goes back to like what is like what's the difference between witchcraft and paganism. I think that you know, witchcraft can really be seen as like the practice of magic, mm-hmm. and um, and most of us do bring deity into that, but um, it's definitely possible to not do that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah. yeah, paganism yeah. for me is worshiping a deities. Yeah, it's you know a polytheistic right thing, um, and witchcraft is a tradition. It's it's something that you do yeah so i guess like it would be different it would be like if there was a knitting deity worshiping the knitting deity versus actually knitting <laughs> like do you know what i mean so yeah. it's that sort of like but yeah so to I think, bring knitting so, into it because you're a knitter <laughs> <laughs> so, but i think like a working circle is easier to put together because you can just like grab people who have similar goals mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and want to accomplish a thing yeah um like I will, yeah. I would consider the three of us doing Yule together to be a working circle. Sure, for example, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at least we all agree on that definition. That's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but but I think but I think a coven really is not just doing magic together. But you're like you know you're saying before someone was saying that you know a coven is about um, I think I don't know you think you were saying about like celebrating the Sabbaths together, celebrating the various religious holidays together. Yeah, I think that was to, Lauren talking. Okay, about. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but you have to agree on the religious holidays in order for that to work. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You know, like, I consider Silent to be the new year, and you don't. So that would already be a little difficult. But that doesn't mean that I'm not willing to be in a working circle with you. I just don't think that it would necessarily make sense for us to, you know, take vows to be on the same religious path together. Right. And you you worship Celtic deities mostly, and I worship Greek deities mostly. It's just, there's a lot of things that, like, you know, we work well together, but it wouldn't make sense for us to be in a coven together. Right. Because... The coven is a really specific thing. When you have to want to be in these people's lives, like, really intrinsically, not just energetically, but also, like, you'd have to want to see these people at the very least three times a month. And, like, sometimes it's a tall order. (laughs) Like, sometimes it's, it's hard to find people that you want to be magically linked to, energetically linked to, and then also, like, be at somebody's house three to four times a month doing new moon, full moon, Sabbath, whatever the case may be, like, consistently, just constantly in each other's lives. Yeah, I've had to manage, you know, coven calendars. It's a thing. I have to say I'm very fortunate to have a relationship like that with my high priestess, with Gwinda that I already mentioned last time. You know, I adore her. We talk almost every day. And, you know, now we live on different continents, so we can't physically be in person, but we are still celebrating together, you know, energetically 
together but you know physically apart and we're constantly checking in and we're really enmeshed in each other's lives you know that's kind of that super close relationship that you have with someone that you've you know taken vows with yeah. but that's not something that you can do with everyone no uh, you, you, and you shouldn't no yeah, I mean, definitely not exhausting definitely not. but that but yeah. there is sort of that expectation of real closeness and support you know that coven is family yeah um and i guess that gets back to that thing that we were talking about earlier about it can be really hard to find people to practice with in salem um, I'm actually, I'm in a, you know, Facebook chat group with other people who live in Salem. Interestingly enough, none of them other are witches. They're just, you know, residents. And someone actually sent a message saying, oh, I have a friend who's coming to town and they want to observe a, uh, you know, like witches solstice ritual, but not really participate. And do you know of anything like that that's open to the public? And I'm like, no, most of us are, pra- you know, doing that in private. Mm-hmm. So it is actually really difficult to come to Salem as a new witch or a person interested in witchcraft and finding those things. Well, and that's the interesting thing. So... In Asheville, Mother Grove did consistent public rituals. Yeah. Like, opens our doors, mm-hmm. opens our hearts to literally anybody. Right. And we even had people, We um, there were a couple of parks that we would do, like, salmon rituals in, Beltane rituals, and we would have people, like, just wander by and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? Okay. And we would explain it to them, and they'd be like, can I join? And we're like, absolutely. Yeah. And it, but that's a public ritual. It right. wasn't, it yeah. wouldn't be as and, intimate as... And I have been to those in Boston. Um, I do, I was part of some of them uh, many years ago. I was part of a group, uh, we were trying to start a community center. So it was the Boston Pagan Community Center that we were trying to actually build a physical space that people could rent out and like use for things but we did have a couple of public rituals that were you know one month the druid would do it one month you know so mm-hmm. like, somebody from a different path would do it so um i've heard of a few yeah. groups like that in boston yeah so um i think one of the problems with public rituals in salem is everyone thinks that it's performative well, and to be perfectly and, honest, there's a part yeah. of it that is. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think that's important. I mm-hmm. think now granted, I'm not much of a ceremonial magic person mm-hmm. and I'm I'm certainly not I don't ascribe to mm-hmm. quite a bit of that belief system, but there is something to be said for if you are standing in a public park and you're dressed nicely and bright mm-hmm. colors and in a robe, you're going to get people's attention and then it kind of pulls people in. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe it is performative, and maybe people would yell out poser and, like, whatever if you're standing in Salem Common doing a, a Sabbath ritual. Mm-hmm. But there could also be people who are like, I just want to find other people like me. And that was the, the great thing about Mother Grove is that because Asheville was so, like, oh, you said witch in public, like, we hope nothing bad's going to happen to you. It, like, Asheville is a pretty hippy-dippy, you know, dem- Democrat town, but mm-hmm. it's still in the heart of the mountains in North Carolina mm-hmm. you're still going to face some consequences I, I, so I say, when I said performative I don't mean that you're being theatrical with your ritual I mean that people will assume that it's for the tourists and yeah. it's, well that's it's true a, it's yeah a, it's it's yeah. not it's 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 fake people will assume that it's fake because you're doing it in public and you're doing it in Salem well to be perfectly yeah. honest fuck them <laughs> who cares <laughs> no really like who cares who yeah. cares if some random tour group is like oh, look at them, they're doing a performative thing. Like, maybe they think it is, but somebody else might find the event on Facebook or on whatever meetup and actually find people that they can connect with. I mean, I found public rituals to be super important for, you know, my sort of formative witchy years. We talked about that in the last episode, but for me, you know, it was me sneaking out of my house as a 17-year-old to go to public rituals in, you know, like the city park. Yeah. And, uh... You know, I don't know how I would have found my community without that. And so exactly. I think that the fact that we don't have these public things makes it sort of hard for people to yeah. find groups. But also, 
you know, this is one of those Salem unique problems is that there are so many witches here and so many people sort of trying to claim their piece of the pie that, you know, who's the one who's going to say, I'm going to start doing this on Salem Common because it might upset the local witch politics if they're not contacting, you know, every well-known witch right. to make sure that everyone's involved and that everyone's okay with it. So, you know, there's like nobody wants to <laughs> Nobody wants to stir that pot. Right. I actually, I think that um, while we're working through our, our guest list for the rest of the year, I think it's interesting that some of the more public things that are being started are by people who move to Salem and within six months they're starting a thing and they're just kind of like bypassing the whole like you know well it's funny when you started talking I kind of giggled to myself because when my grove found out that I was moving Mm -hmm. Byron literally took me by the arm and was like so you're gonna start a goddess temple in Salem huh and I was like maybe like certainly I was like sure because it was never my intent to start a temple or to Mm -hmm. start a a grove of any kind because I don't view myself as that type of priestess or Mm -hmm. I don't even have that status. Um, but she she jokingly called me a sleeper cell. She was like, you're going to move up to Salem and you're going to start to go... Like, it was kind of funny. But I think that's kind of how shit gets done. Yeah. Because every... At least what I've noticed is that people get worried about the old guard and, you know, certain focal point, certain pillar community people mm-hmm. that everybody's like, well, we don't want to upset them. And it's like... Well, you're already going into it assuming that this would upset somebody. Mm-hmm. And maybe it would, but it's in good faith. Like, you're doing it not to, like... You're not trying to make this, like, a Disneyland experience. You're just trying to help build community. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that building community is something that anybody can truly frown on. Right. And if they do, that's showing their true colors. Mm-hmm. So, for me, if somebody did go, Hey, I actually... You know what? I would really like to start a public group where we get together publicly and do rituals so that other people can find us and then maybe we eventually get our own space and whatnot. I think that would be great. And if that happens to be us, let's do it. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm down. I often thought about doing this in my own backyard and then I've always hesitated with the idea of do I really want random people coming to my backyard? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. And so yeah. then it becomes a question of where. And you know what? Maybe we just march down to City Hall and say, hey, what happens if we do this on Salem Common? I mean, honestly, in Asheville, it was like, we just had to contact the local parks and rec places and be Mm -hmm. like, hey, we want this park for this day. Can we use the gazebo? And most of the time, they were like, yep, just put it on the calendar. (laughs) Salem is unique. So when I was in college, I started uh, the Pagan Student Association, which unfortunately, I don't think went anywhere after I left but so I got permission to you know sneak into the arboretum and use their stone circle at night for rituals and you know I started that and but it wasn't something they'd ever had to think about so they were just like oh yeah sure we'll unlock the gate you know march down there with your group but in Salem you know people are always surprised to find out that if you're a tarot reader in Salem all three of us are you have to be licensed I thought that was the most bullshit thing when I moved here. I gotta tell you, I was mad. I was like, what? (laughs) Excuse me, what? (laughs) I don't even live in Salem. I I live in Lynn, so it was doubly mad. (laughs) Yeah, for the people who don't live around here, Lynn is right next to Salem. Yeah, it's like 15 minutes away. Um, But, you know, that's a thing that doesn't exist in other places, but because there is such a concentration of witches in Salem, it's something that they have to think about. Yeah. So I guess they have to think about, I mean it would probably be more difficult. Right, because if they say yes to us, does that mean they have to say yes to other people and suddenly well, they, but the thing are is there seven should. groups trying to run ritual at the same time on Salem Common because Salem the Sabbaths... Salem Common's real big. It's probably fine. Yeah, but you know, because the Sabbaths <laughs> like, are and the and the Esbets are all going to be on the same dates. And yeah. so. <laughs> but also, like, I, I don't 
think necessarily that that's a bad thing. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it would be bad for people to walk by and be like, whoa, there are seven <laughs> different groups on Salem Common doing shit right now. Like, yeah. I don't think that would be a bad thing. Oh, I think, no, no. I'm just well, thinking about, just think, you know, right the now, clerk and licensing board kind of tearing I mean, their they, they, Well, they probably would. But the, but the thing is, I think up here, I've noticed there's, there's this insular pocket kind of mm-hmm. vibe. Everybody finds people, they kind of get sucked in really quickly and then that's just where they they stitch in um they they find their pockets they and then they just kind of huddle in real close Mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of like free-flowing communication right and i think that's a really dangerous place to be in right when people are afraid to talk to one another like what are you doing (laughs) like for me i mean at least from this one witch's perspective it gets very frustrating and it's a dangerous place to be in mm-hmm. because already being pagan puts you against so many other communities, other people. Like you already are the air quotes freak. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's much more common in Salem, but still it's, it's, you're uh, an oddity. Mm-hmm. the best thing you can do is find the other freaks, right? The other, the best thing to do is to be like, yeah, like maybe we're not identical, but mm-hmm. we're, we're, un- we're similar enough and we have the same hopes and wants right. and mm-hmm. a- a- enough of the same sort of idea mm-hmm. that even if we're not going to work together, we might not be part of the same growth. I still want the best for you. Or I still mm-hmm. want to yeah. like have some sort of communication. So I don't fully understand. Like I've just been witnessing it where I'm like, why don't people just talk to each other? <laughs> Why does everybody yeah. just like hunker down and be like, well, I'm not going to talk to that person or I'm not going to bridge the gap. And I think that's one of the, the big reasons that we started this podcast is that we do want to bring a lot of different people on board uh, and talk to people about their paths and try to get more of a, of a conversation going Love it. about, that's you know, why I joined. <laughs> that's why I came on. Yeah. The idea is to find commonalities, right? Not to be excluding more. And so we're hoping to, yeah, you know, find ways to do that. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, politics, and <laughs> which politics, Whoops. um, no, it's okay. I mean, that's yeah. why podcasts are fun, right? Because yeah. the conversation just happens naturally. It's not a curated yeah, thing, yeah. you know, none of this was rehearsed ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, uh, I dropped a line. <laughs> um, yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your own practice sure. and, and like, what's your, what's your favorite thing about being a witch? Oh my gosh. Um, the accessories. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I was going to make that joke. <laughs> um, I think my favorite part about being a witch is the, well, I guess it's kind of, there's two. My, I think the holistic answer is that I feel so much more in tune and truly like my empathy and my compassion mm-hmm. for Everyone, not just people I like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but everyone has grown exponentially since realizing that I am not an island. You are not an island. You are not an island. Nobody's mm-hmm. an island. We're all connected. And in some way, we can repair, like, just the energy channel, like, recognizing energy channels. Mm-hmm. I-, I just feel so much better (laughs) I know it probably is like it sounds a little self-serving of like wow I feel amazing since becoming a witch but it's true like it feels but that's not a bad thing to be self-serving like honestly that idea of I feel good being a witch like that's great because the point is for us to like ourselves better and to be in tune with ourselves yeah and so I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like 
this feels good. It does. Yeah. It, and know? it does. It feels good. It feels amazing to be tapped into that energy mm-hmm. and to feel the cycles and, and truly know what it means to be in winter, to be in spring, to be in summer, mm-hmm. to feel the effects of the full moon or the effects of the new moon, to just be more in tune with nature mm-hmm. and to have a connection and a relationship to deities that my ancestors thousands of years worshipped. Like, that means something to me. Mm. Um, And then I guess the other side of that answer is knowing that I'm tapped into an energy that I, if something is going haywire, I have the power to fix it. (laughs) I don't have to wait for somebody, for something else to kind of deem whether or not it's going to get fixed. Or there's no finger crossing. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I need the thing. I feel in line, like, in alignment with that thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go get that thing, and I'm going to use magic to help. Mm-hmm. I got my house that way. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you can have tangible effects. You can have yeah. tangible results that, with magic. That weird little metal animal by that's propped up my TV is from a spell I did a month ago uh, when we had the big windstorm and we lost power. And as soon as my candle burned out, the power turned back on. Yeah. Like, a day see? before the, the power company said it was going to. Yeah, so I was just exactly. Like, <laughs> it's stuff like that. Like, it's it's getting your power turned back on yeah. a day early. It's finding a house in your price range in the place that you wanted to be in mm-hmm. when you thought the chips were down and you weren't going to get one. Like, you know, it's all of the... It's knowing that you have the power and the ability to make actual changes in your life mm-hmm. that are amazing and that make you feel good. And it's again, like feeling good and like, there's nothing wrong with getting good stuff. Yeah. So when you can do that, I feel like it's just that much better. (laughs) And if you can use magic to do it, why not? That actually is a good segue for me to ask about something that I want to discuss with you, which is the idea of being a good witch versus a bad witch. And (laughs) right. Um, And, you know, I'll say up front that I don't believe that there are good versus bad witches, but that's something that I feel like when people who don't know about what witchcraft really entails or they've never met a witch, when you say, oh, I'm a witch, they generally say, oh, are you a good witch? Or they'll say, oh, are you a white witch? And, you know, I've actually met people who call themselves white witches, and I will say also How much does that make your skin crawl? (laughs) So much. Like, I just hate it. So much. So much. I hate Um, it. You know, as a Latina especially, uh, I feel like there's an inevitable sort of discriminatory component there because this idea of equating, you know, white with good and black with bad is super racist. It's awful and racist and Um, should be stopped immediately. Right, but I'm also always surprised to meet someone who is in witchcraft and says, oh, I'm a white witch, because that to me, you know, reflects a fear of the shadow self, and I feel like working with and integrating your shadow self is absolutely crucial to being a witch. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think not only is it like you're ignoring your shadow self, you're ignoring the unintended consequences of any action. If you yeah. don't do any action if it might possibly impact something else, then you're not going to do any action because all of our actions impact something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it's just maybe you don't realize what that impact is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for a long time, love magic was considered good magic. And now we're just like, that's worse than like casting like, you know, death axes on people because you're controlling someone's will and you're controlling, you know, their... Um, controlling someone like that um but you know so i think that it's very much of like what does society consider good or bad but i think that 
if you are someone who is, you know, who is saying that, oh, I only do, you know, I only do good magic, then they are either not doing very much or they are blind to the consequences of mm. what they're doing. Yeah. I think some people also take the approach of, I'm a healer, so I'm only doing white magic. Mm -hmm. And I, I just very much struggle with the idea of, obviously, I'm very much in favor of healing, you know, mm -hmm. in, in general, and healing magic, but to, to sort of try and draw those lines and saying, you know, always doing this kind of magic is bad, always doing this kind of magic is good. Um, you know, not mm -hmm. necessarily. And the reason that I wanted to bring this up to Lauren specifically is because you and I were having a conversation about how you did that Ask a Witch panel. Yeah. And that was in Asheville, right? Yes. And uh, so you're a Bane worker. Mm -hmm. And I guess for the people who don't know what that means, what does that mean? So if you do Bane work, um, which is a term that I don't know who originally coined it, but I learned it from my high priestess, Byron. Um, if you do a... If you do work that falls under the category of jinxes, hexes, and curses, or banishings. That's technically considered bane work. Um, bane meaning, like, baneful. Like, mm -hmm. bad. bad. <laughs> to get into the etymology of it. But to me, it's not bad. Like, talking about healing. Mm -hmm. If I remove a negative person from my life, that's not... A bad thing. Mm -hmm. That's actually a good thing. Or if I'm removing a negative person from my community, I'm not saying killing them. <laughs> like not straight out like Netflix documentary murder. What I'm saying is, is like if I say if I banish an individual because they are toxic and every single person that has come into contact mm -hmm. with them in the last year has just had just the energy sucked from them. Like they're just, this person is just clearly not good for my community. If I banish them and they leave. That's not bad. It's, it, I think I use the, the analogy with you of like, surgeons don't love and light cancer out of a body. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a surgeon attacks the cancer. A surgeon yeah. is like, okay, there's the tumor. I'm not going to light a white candle and pray that this cancer is going to go away. You go in, you do surgery, mm -hmm. which is a dangerous thing. Surgery is not easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You do surgery, you cut out the cancer and then you attack it with medicine. No one in their right mind would be like, oh, I can't believe they did something bad to that cancer. Like, no. Like, technically the cancer is a living thing, but it's cancer. Like, it's yeah. not something that should be given any sort of ability to grow and flirt. Like, no, you cut yeah. that shit out. Mm -hmm. So for me, I most of what I do is, like, banishings or just hardcore boundary setting <laughs> um, and hexes. But... It's not something that I do every day. I also, you know, there's, in my book, there's steps you follow. Mm -hmm. Have you tried to ask this person to leave? Have mm -hmm. you set boundaries with this person? Have you had conversations of, like, you can act that way around people? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so many things that you do before you get to, all right, you know what? I'm done with you. We're, we're not having this discussion anymore. Goodbye. Yeah. Because the easiest way is usually the most mundane way. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are like, so if somebody cuts you off in traffic, do you hex them? It's like, no, because I don't care enough about that person to care whether or not, like, I'm not going to hex them into getting a flat tire. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. That's so magic takes energy. Exactly. Like, why would I, why, I'm trying to get to Target. I don't care what that person's doing. Yeah. yeah. But if it's 
a, a constant source of negativity mm-hmm. that is draining me and my community, then people have to do something. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of witches who have hexed the, our current president mm-hmm. because they're like, no, this dude needs to be gone. And they're yeah. right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's a cancer. Yeah. So I don't think what they're doing is bad. You know, like, I don't know if that answered the question, but... Yeah. How do you, I guess, explain the difference between banishing and hexing someone? So, banishing, for me, is a removal of someone. It doesn't necessarily mean that I want them to, like, have the worst luck ever. I just want them gone. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've seen some banishings happen where the person thinks it's the best thing happening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've definitely seen some banishings where, you know, the the group is mm-hmm. like, all right, this person is just, we, we need them gone. They're toxic, blah, blah, blah. Banishing occurs, like two weeks later, the person's like, oh my God, you guys, I got a new job in Florida. I'm moving. I'm so happy. And we're like, great. (laughs) For them, it can be great. Yeah. I mean, I try and, you know. For us, it's even better. When I do things like that, it's, you know, I want this to be for the good of everyone involved. You know, I'm not looking for anyone to have a bad outcome. Like, I want you to go away and be happy somewhere else. Right. Like, you know, (laughs) it's removing removing an invasive plant. So. And maybe planting it somewhere else, but... Where it's not invasive. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're removing something. So that's a banishing. A hex is... I mean, everybody has their own definition. For me, a hex is mid-level. Like, a curse is like, mm-hmm. fuck you into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> a hex is like, hey, I really need you to have a taste of your own medicine. Mm-hmm. And I really need you to stew in it for a while. So it's a little bit more of a come up in sort of energy. But even um, that can't be, can you can argue that that's not necessarily, you know, air quotes, bad, because no. if you're asking them to have a taste of their own medicine, what you're asking for is energetic retribution. You're yeah. not actively invoking new bad things to add mm-hmm. to their life. You but, know? but there are people who can, you know, for me, talking about magic and energy and all of mm-hmm. that, magic is neutral. Mm-hmm. It is a neutral energy source. What you use that for is totally in the hands of the practitioner. Mm-hmm. Batteries are neutral. What you put them in mm-hmm. is totally up to you. You get to decide. Do they go in a smoke detector? Do they go into a taser? Like, I don't think tasers have that. Do I, tasers have batteries? I've never used a taser. Well, whatever. <laughs> but you know what I mean? They're like, portable. They must have some they sort of They have some sort of battery. Right. <laughs> so it's that sort of thing where it's like, what are you putting the battery into? It's a neutral thing. So it really is dependent on the person. Um, I lost my train of thought. What, what did you ask me? I hexes. asked you the difference between hex and curse. Right. Yeah. Well, so, I guess hex and banishing, but now we're talking about hexes and curses. Hexes and curses. <laughs> so so for hex, yeah, it's it's that you were talking about comeuppance energy and, like, you just want them to have a taste of their own medicine. And, yeah. and yeah, that is true. You can make a, a complete person who has never done anything wrong to you ever. You just don't like the look of their face. And you go, you know what? I don't like you. And you can hex that person. You absolutely can. We have the energy to do that. Sure. We have the ability to do that. Sure. I can't imagine that I would ever it, We don't want to. to but right? we don't want to, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. we don't Because want... generally for someone to get to a point where you want to do that, they've done something to that's wronged you exactly. or the community. So there's generally an energetic... There's, there's a reason. Death someone there with, anyway. with time for that does not have any other hobbies. Exactly. <laughs> but, but that's just to... I, I feel the need to explain to people, because you were talking about love magic earlier. Yeah. And somebody that I knew, not particularly, like, we weren't close, (laughs) but somebody that I knew in my old community used to always say that love magic would never work because the other person has to want to love you too. And I was like, that's literally not how magic works. (laughs) (laughs) Like, magic is your will 
your intent. Mm -hmm. It does not matter what other... Now, granted, if you're doing it for the highest good of all involved, somewhere, somebody is going to be like, man, I really want to have a relationship with that person. Like, if you're doing a love spell and you're doing Mm -hmm. it with that intention of, like, the highest good for everybody, then you're just inviting love into your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing a love spell on a specific person... Right. It will work. Like, I just... I need people to know. It will work if your intent is that strong of, like, you're going to fall in love with me. It's not about whether or not them being like, yes, I've secretly been in love with you my whole life and and now this is finally making it happen. Mm -hmm. It will work. It will just also have, like, toxic ripple effect Mm -hmm. because it's not actually for your highest. It's not in alignment. It's just getting the thing that you want. So you get the thing that you want, but it might sour. It might not be what you wanted, truly. So I, I just feel like... So many people are like, oh, no, it won't work. No, love love spells don't actually do anything. No, I, and blah, I've blah, seen blah. them like, work. And no, it's... they work. <laughs> they absolutely work to a point where I think it's dangerous to tell people, mm-hmm. like, certain things can't be done. So love spells and hexes, it's like, oh, no, you can't hex anybody who doesn't deserve it. Yes, you can. You absolutely can hex somebody who doesn't deserve it. But you shouldn't. And right. you have the ability to discern whether or not that person deserves yes. to be hexed Discernment. Or That's such Discernment. an yeah. important word. Yeah. In witchcraft and everything that we do. Yes. yes. In my book, I talk yeah. about discernment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was part of my... I mean, I understood the concept, but we went into that really deeply with my training because it's like, do you step in with your magical intent mm-hmm. or do you hang back and maybe yeah. just do it mundanely and be like, we should have a conversation. So mm-hmm. discernment is very important. Absolutely. But magic yeah. is a neutral tool so right you can do with it what you want because you're the one doing it but yeah awesome well so as we wrap up this episode lauren it's awesome talking to you and we're definitely gonna have to have you back because there are so many things that we still (laughs) want to talk about that we are out of time this is the appetizer (laughs) yeah so of course you're gonna have to come back and talk to us about you know communicating with the dead and all sorts of amazing things Uh, But before we let you go, where do we find you online? Oh, gosh. Okay. So you can find... I have, like, multiples. (laughs) Um, So you can find me on Instagram, either at Tarot with Coffee, which is my specific tarot Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a tarot reader. But you can also find me... I'm also an author, so you can find my writer's Instagram at Will Write for Coffee on Instagram. And four is the the number four. It's not written out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Will Write for the number four, Coffee. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Lauren P underscore Devora. Um, and I have a, can I plug my yeah, other podcast? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, me and my friend Eric have our own writing and history and pop culture podcast. Um, you can find us on Stitcher and Spotify. It's uh, welcome to the speakeasy. And we basically just talk about anything that we're hyper fixated on, <laughs> but mostly it comes from history, literature, pop culture, that sort of thing. Um, the, I think the last episode that we posted is about Agatha Christie and like her self-imposed disappearance (laughs) because like it's fascinating for us. So we just like to, and we drink while we're doing it. So it's a little, it's a little goofy. Um, Yeah. Well, we'll definitely link to you in the show notes. And if you folks listening have any questions for us, please email us at askawitch at witchcitywitches.com. You can follow us on Instagram at witchcitywitches. You can also reach us individually. I'm Anna, A-N-A, at witchcitywitches.com or Becca, B-E-K-A-H, at witchcitywitches.com. And thank you for tuning in and let us know uh, what you want to know about. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here.